walk away. Yeah. I sound like the the humongous from the Road Warrior, but just walk away. Just, <laughs> just... And the home of the to the sixth uh, Hit the Deck podcast, where we're talking deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey. It's hockey and sneakers, don't you know? (laughs) And uh, for all of you Irish and not, that is my awful Irish accent. Um, And my, if I haven't turned you off already, my greeting to you. Thank you. Uh, as I said, once again, for tuning in. We are so very happy to be back and so very happy to have you listening. James, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. And just as a side note, yes, Gary is Irish, so that's a legitimate uh, accent. And two, we're recording this on St. Patrick's Night. So just let everybody know out there. Don't get angry at us, please. I, All due respect. Uh, I am five-eighths Irish, uh, though I would not qualify that as a legitimate accent, because that would insult a whole bunch of people. It was better than what I've heard today, so I'll give you that. And it's not an accent, James. It's a brogue. Sorry. An Irish brogue. I'm Italian, so I don't know such things. I hey, how you doing? Yeah, exactly right. I can also offend my wife with my Italian accent. Hey, how you doing over here? Come on, scusio. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Forget about That's right. <laughs> All right. Enough of that silliness. Uh, I, I think we should probably go into the starting lineup. Sounds good to me. All right. Uh, and tonight's starting lineup in goal, I am the idiot, uh, the American Rhino, number 35, Gary McComiskey, and my patient and uh, far too enthusiastic for his own good co-host. On defense... <laughs> Number four, I'm James Sajazi, and returning to our podcast. Number 32, or number 13, depending on my mood, Mike Margiana, goaltender, occasional defenseman, occasional very lost forward. All right, welcome back, Mike. Welcome, James. Welcome, listener. Let's kick off the podcast, shall we? And maybe eliminate just a little bit of this nonsense. James, please, 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 by all means, tell us what is on deck for us on this podcast. Would be happy to. uh, What's on deck is all about dates in March. So leading off, we have Austin 316. And that's the bottom line, because the American rhino said so. All due respect to rattlesnakes, but rhinoceroses pretty much trump every other land animal there is. I sure wouldn't want to cross Stone Cold or you, Gary. From there, St. Patrick and St. Joseph. St. Patrick's Day is on a Thursday, and St. Joseph's Day is on a Saturday this year. So in honor of the two great saints, Gary and I will bring up some of their namesakes who played or are playing in the NHL and LIQ. It's not easy being green, or is it? An article posted on NHL.com by Michael Morial explains how Mr. Mike Richter retired from saving pucks to now saving the planet. 
and Between the Pipes Part B. The LIQ's founding netminders, Mike and Gary, wrap up their great chat up, and that's what's on deck. Thank you, sir. You know, I, I don't think you give yourself enough credit. That was a decent, pretty decent uh, Stone Cold impression, if I do say so myself. Yeah, thanks. Um, I uh, probably could have used the beers and a lot more testosterone, but uh, thank you. And speaking of... Our first segment. Yes, sir. Beautiful. Excellent. Nicely, nicely done, Mr. Gary. I had to cut it off quick because I don't want Vince McMahon to sue us. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Just, you know, again, uh, speaking of dates in mid-March with today being St. Patrick's Day, at least the recording of this podcast, whenever you listen to this, that's another story. But yesterday was 316. So for all you wrestling fans out there, as you know, the very famous Austin 316. So figured we'd tie that in with Mr. Gary Mack and how you match the high intensity of Stone Cold Steve Austin of the WWE, but without the beer, salty language, or one finger salute. So basically, uh, and I do say basically a little bit too much, so I got to cut that out. But anyway, um, it's basically fine. Yeah. Above all, knee braces. I, we, we've touched on this before in the past. Uh, you being a hybrid butterfly goalie, this being deck hockey that we play, playing that style of goal on concrete is insane. I can't imagine what wear and tear it, it does to your body, especially your knees, but you have at least one knee brace that you wear every game, correct? I have two, actually. I have on my left knee, which is the worst knee, I have a level three brace, which has uh, hinges on it. And on my right knee, which is still, it's not as bad as the left knee, but it is still not what I would call 100%. I have a level two brace, which is uh, basically just a compression brace. God bless you. I don't know where you get your tolerance from, but uh, well, I'm again, no bionic redneck. The, the, exactly, which uh, you're much more of the hockey, um, excuse me, the uh, wrestling historian than I am. No, so I hardly. definitely want to defer to you on this if I make any mistakes or whatever the case is. But uh, that's what's amazing about you and and Austin in that aspect is that he, yeah, um, not only had one knee brace but two knee braces, and Lord knows what other problems he had with his back and and other parts of his body. And his always neck, a, I think, is what retired him finally. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was one match where he was basically crippled for uh, a brief amount of time. Lord knows, I mean, thank God that he wasn't uh, permanently crippled. But um, Yeah, that was the ne- the match where he actually broke his neck during the match. I don't know. I mean, love him or hate them, you have to respect wrestlers. The amount of abuse that they put their bodies through day in and day out, um, the travel and keeping in the shape that they do and being able to do all those acrobatics is just beyond me. So I uh, just wanted to tie those things in together, how you and Stone Cold always performed at the high level, uh, despite the pain, despite being on such a disadvantage of not one, but two knee braces. So it's just something that I really, I, I admire and I hope everybody else does out there, but I just can't comprehend it. I don't know how you guys do that. So, well, both of you um you know i ran track in high school and i wasn't by any means good i I just want to put that out there right now i was actually pretty horrible but um the reason i bring it up is because my freshman coach one of the things that he said to us pretty early on is that track is pain management and uh that's Really, uh, that applies to a lot of sports, and that's the mentality that you have to have. You know, pain is, you know what they say, pain is temporary, glory is forever, or something to that effect. And the way I look at it, if I am 
hurting as long as I can still stand. I, I you know, I try to block it out, and I'm sure I know for a fact that wrestlers feel the same way. Um, you know, if you if you can basically if you can stand, you can go. Uh, I do try to be mindful about not injuring myself to such an extent that I'm going to permanently injure myself. But in a game, if I tweak my knee, I try and just kind of play around it for a little while and hopefully it'll get better. Yeah, I, that's, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's okay. I was just saying, if I really hurt my knee, there there have been one or two instances, especially before I wore the, the braces, that I did really badly hurt my knee. In one game particular, I took myself out because I knew that I was really courting trouble if I stayed in. Like, I physically could not play goal. And if I tried to play through it, I, I thought I really risk damaging my knee worse but you know for the most part if it's just a little bit of pain uh like i said i try and play around it i try and play through it because even though we're just weekend warriors and this isn't our job you know you still have pride on the line and your teammates are counting on you to, to play a good game they don't care that you got hurt well i mean if they're good teammates they care but it's it's not their problem that you got hurt they're still playing a game so you try and support them as best you can yeah, I mean, well, I, I think that sums up your mentality right there, your selflessness. Because there's been quite a few times when being a defenseman, my back's usually t- towards you, but I've heard grunts and, and pops and things, and <laughs> you just go right along and, and get get, up, get back up or stop the rebound, whatever. It's just like, I don't know, your pain level is insane, so God bless, But uh, and, and we do appreciate it. And just the final note on you and, and Stone Cold and uh, the 316 thing, you both host podcasts, and I think yeah. very good podcasts at that. So, <laughs> I think he's he's got a, a few more listeners than we do. So I appreciate the comparison, but I, I don't know if I've necessarily earned that yet. All right. Well, maybe I kind of jumped ahead of, of, of things there, but it's it is a fact you do host podcasts. All so. right, you're not wrong, <laughs> and I, I suppose that's the bottom line because because right. David Jay Z said so. <laughs> I wish I had a couple of Miller lights to salute you with, but uh, anyway. So yeah. So from there, let's uh, let's go into something uh, on a much brighter and uh, whole other level: uh, Saint Patrick and Saint Joseph. I promise uh, I won't do the brogue anymore. I, I, hey, yeah. I mean, listen. This should be fun, and and people should be able to laugh at themselves and have a good sense of humor. And it's all done in love. There's no malice or anything behind that, besides just having some fun no, so in case anybody's listening out there just it's it's cool okay <laughs> but right. uh if you are ticked off or if you're listening and you want to chime in it would be nice to hear from you anyway so just it's hit the deck at gmail.com if yes. you want to sound if, off yeah if you want to insult me or uh or reprimand me please drop us a line at hit the deck at gmail.com or on twitter at hit the deck pod prefer positive feedback but if you're listening, it's thank you. Anyway, um, any publicity is good publicity, right, James? That's right. That's right. So <laughs> to tie in the, it's a really busy week here in in, in mid March. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know that that's something that um, it's it's kind of uh, kind of amazing how all these things kind of happen at once. But I dare say it's uh, madness. Yes, it is. That you got that too. Exactly. That's. Uh, it, college basketball NCAA tournament that's right so is that like uh like the NFL do they have that trademark like do we have to say the big tournament or something I don't know I um if I were a betting man I'd say that the NFL probably has every I mean in in terms of lawyers and whatever I'm sure they're on a 
a whole other plateau than everybody else. But as far as I know, yeah, I, I don't if March Madness is copyrighted or whatever the case is, but it is the actual name of it is the NCAA tournament, but nobody ever uses that anymore. So you know what? I, what? The NFL is so greedy. I would not be surprised if they copyrighted March Madness just so they could get money off of somebody else's sport. Yeah, probably. And just a little side note, too. There's something called spring training going on for all you baseball fans out there. So we got opening day right around the corner. Yeah. I don't have any baseball sound effects, so I have to make my own. I'm sorry. That's quite all right, because I kind of threw you under the bus there, and this is a deck hockey podcast, so let's get back to that, I guess. I'm sorry I strayed a little bit. But... All right, I'm done. Man of many talents, and we appreciate them all. So yeah, unfortunately, I don't show any on the podcast. I disagree. I'm always dragging you down, so the, the, maybe your best work isn't displayed, unfortunately, because of that. But oh, uh, anyway, in honor of St. Patrick. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> a nice way to tie that in, I think, would be to talk about hockey players who are named Patrick, first or last name. So just to uh, rattle off a couple, Patrick Waugh, one of the greatest goalies of all time, mm-hmm. and current player Patrick Kane over in Chicago, who has a few problems off the ice, but on the ice, he's a heck of a player. Yeah. Um, so uh, we'll just leave it at that. Okay. Then the great Lester Patrick, who mm-hmm. the old Patrick division was named after, and he was the Rangers head coach. Yes. His grandson, Craig, who was responsible, I believe he was a an assistant coach on the 1980 Team USA Miracle on Ice. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And for me, NHL... There was a defenseman on the Rangers who played um, from the 80s through the early 2000s named James Patrick. Hey, James is your name. Exactly. So the funny thing about that was we had the same first name, and then his last name was my best friend growing up is Patrick Fogarty. He's a a member of the LIQ uh, as well, which we'll we'll get into uh, in a a little bit on that as well. Uh, He's a diehard Islander fan, so it really, I guess it bothered him that his last name was... Yeah, well, his his first name was being used as a defenseman on the Rangers, but uh, I just thought that was kind of funny that our two names were intertwined into one player. So uh, growing up, I, I, I'm assuming that's one of the reasons why I kind of gravitated towards defense, too, like we spoke about a, a couple of episodes ago mm-hmm. that uh, when I was being taught the game, I, w- I was taught as a defenseman, but right. kind of had to get a better idea of that uh, thanks to Mr. Patrick. The ironic thing was he was a Ranger from 83 to 93, and he only stuck around for a cup of coffee in the season that they won the Stanley Cup. Hey, uh, I'll take it. Yeah, and and the even more ironic thing was his birthday is June 14th, and that's the day the Rangers won the Stanley Cup, June 14th, 1994. So nice. I was, yeah, I was bummed out he wasn't on the squad, and Mike Gartner wasn't either, or for that matter, John Van Beesbrook. But anyway, their names don't start with Patrick. Exactly right. So, Heck with them. Right. Any Patricks that you'd like to uh, bring up at all? Or did I kind of ruin it me? all? Uh, no, no, nothing, uh, nobody that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, uh, no, no, there's nobody. Okay. 
And then, yeah, like we said, uh, Mr. Patrick Fogarty, who is the uh, one of the newest members of the LIQ, as Gary and the boys were so generous in inviting him to play, guys like him and Craig and myself, too, actually. He's also a defenseman and a heck of a defenseman at that. I haven't told him about our podcast yet. I'm not sure if he's going to laugh us off the uh, the planet because of it. But anyway, just want to give him a tip of the cap uh, as it is. Uh, again, yeah, excellent defenseman. He's, he's one of those. He's a very tall guy, too. So he's over, mm. well over six feet. And uh, growing up, I always vowed never to play against him on skates because he has a habit of you just can't get away from him. You know, he has a long reach as Gary can attest to. So I would never play against him in skates because I'd end up in a lot of pain and, and Lord knows what kind of condition. I mean, there's Dan Patrick from Sports Center, but the, you know, yeah, there a, you go. That's All a pretty right. tangential connection. I don't know if that counts. Sure, why not? It's <laughs> it's, it's all, all right. Good. Uh, And then, yeah, the final thing on St. Patrick's Day is the NHL and and MLB also do a really great job in embracing St. Patrick's Day and the celebration of it, where um, at least in recent years, I can't quite say how many offhand, but the NHL does a really good job in designing jerseys, caps, and shirts with the uh, St. Patrick's Day theme to it. So they're green, obviously, and maybe shamrocks and stuff. Yeah, very cool. Look forward to seeing those today, tonight, or as you listen to this a couple days ago. Yeah, uh, our our day jobs, Gary and I work in the city, otherwise known as Manhattan, for people outside of New York. And we're not too far from the NHL store. So they are all decked out with the NHL-themed jerseys and caps and stuff, too. So, oh, nice. Uh, I haven't been by there. Yeah, so if you're a bargain hunter, I'd imagine that maybe tomorrow or, or the days after St. Patrick's Today. Day. Today. Yeah, maybe the uh, jerseys and stuff would be a little bit cheaper than if they were before. But they do a good job in every year updating it and coming out with new designs and things like that. So that that's pretty cool. Yeah, nice. Yeah, you might be able to get a bargain, say, two days after St. Patrick's Day. Which is, uh, I believe, St. Joseph's Day. Nicely done, man. <laughs> Excellent job. That If that was an assist, I mean, that should have been a goal as well. That was gorgeous. So, yes, exactly. That goes into St. Joseph's Day, which is two days after St. Patrick's Day. Not as famous in terms of parades and publicity and things like that. But personally for me, and, uh, you know, Gary and I are Catholics and um, we don't care who knows it. All due respect to everybody else, as a matter of fact, and whatnot. But St. Joseph's one of my all-time favorite saints and um, so important to uh, our lives and whatnot. But for the NHL, great players named Joseph for Gary and, and others in his business, uh, Curtis, quote, Cujo, unquote, Joseph, one mm-hmm. of a really excellent goalie. Yeah. As he was, he's retired now. Uh, yeah. Joe Sackick, one of the best centers to play the game. Uh, if you're, if you are an Avalanche fan or remember the Nordiques, he is a legendary uh, player there. Nordique. Yeah, uh, two-time Stanley Cup champion, MVP of both the playoffs and the regular season from French Canada. Yeah, uh, one of the greatest snap slap shot. Excuse me, one of the greatest wrist shots ever. Speaking of Joe Sackick, and uh, just really excellent uh, resume. He's still in the NHL, too. I think he's um, behind the scenes now, but uh, right. really recently he had his number retired and everything. Just a legendary player, great guy cool. all around. Another Joe who played in the NHL, which I was kind of familiar with, uh, Joe Neuendyke. He was a Calgary Flame most of his career. And the reason why I say that is, uh, again, starting playing way back when, all of my friends were either Islander fans or Ranger fans. So just to not jump on the bandwagon or anything like that, I um, gravitated towards the Calgary Flames because at the time with 
uh, video games, NHL 91, it was just known as NHL hockey at that time because it was the mm. first game, I believe, for I had a Sega Genesis. Ah, I had a Sega uh, Genesis as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, just to be different, everybody's the Rangers or the Islanders. So I decided to go as far as way as possible and focus on the Flames. That's how I became a Theo Fleury fan and everything. But anyway, Joe Neuendyke was one of the legendary players on that team. So that's why I uh, kind of admired him. And uh, for the LIQ, our own Joe Barnett, right? Is that how you pronounce his last I name? I believe it's Barnett. Barnett. So, yeah, all around good guy uh, and, and and great teammate. Um, mm-hmm. When we played in the... Heck of a player, too. Yes, he really is. A big guy with great hands and, and amazing stick work. Uh, very hard to defend, so mm-hmm. I'd much rather be on his team than against him. Yeah, you and me both. Yeah, which when we played in the Rocky Sullivan's tournament last October, he yes. was on LIQ Red, correct? Yeah, so just a little background for our listeners. Last year when we played, last October when we played in the Rocky Sullivan's tournament, which we mentioned a couple podcasts ago about the tournaments that are occurring in the New York area, we had so many players that we normally play with in the LIQ that we were able to field two teams, LIQ Blue and LIQ Red. And James and I... Well, actually, I was part of LIQ Blue, James was part of the Crotch Mavens, and uh, Joe was on LIQ Red. Yes. So yeah, so that basically sums up uh, our little tip of the cap to great players named Joseph and Patrick, and uh, St. Patrick's Day and St. Joseph's Day. Although James is an honorary member of LIQ Blue. Oh yes, thank you, that's right. Gary was so kind as to buy my jersey for me, So and, and my other jersey too, as a matter of fact. So thank you, Gary. Without you, I don't know, I'd be running around looking really strange without a shirt or a jersey, so God bless you, sir. Sure, and uh, other Joes of significance to me, my wife's grandmother, my grandfather rather, was named Joseph, uh, as is her uncle, and uh, I'm told, not being Italian myself, but I'm told that in an Italian family, if you don't know somebody's name, it, it's basically like guessing C on a multiple choice test, and you know, if you just guess Joe, there's a very good chance you'll be right. Yeah, or Anthony. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and St. Anthony's Day is um, June 13th, so we'll talk about that. Hopefully we'll get to that point, but anyway. Here's to you, Joe. God bless you guys all. We love you. So then from there, let's go into your favorite player of all time, Mr. Mike Richter, and what he's doing uh, nowadays. Yes, Mike Richter, former goalie of the New York Rangers, and somebody who uh, I I do respect a great deal and and try and pattern some of my goalieing off of. So as James mentioned, this article was written by Mike Morial or Moriali. I'm not quite sure how you uh, pronounce that, but uh, he writes for NHL.com. And basically, this particular article, which is titled Richter Working on the Biggest Save of All, talks about how Mike Richter, who is now long retired, is the co-founder and co-managing director at a company called Healthy Planet Partners, which retrofits commercial buildings with clean energy technologies like solar. Basically, they, they go into these buildings and they put solar panels on them to minimize energy consumption and environmental impact and this week this past week i guess march 12th to march 18th the nhl is participating uh in a showcase of greening programs and initiatives which are reducing the league's environmental impact basically what they're doing is they are offsetting all of their greenhouse gases their their carbon footprint 
they're offsetting all of the energy that they use and they are doing that by investing in wind power and methane gas capture from landfills and buying carbon offsets to make them uh, basically carbon neutral for this week yeah all this stuff is way over my head but i appreciate it nonetheless and again yeah mike richter brilliant brilliant man Uh, like gary alluded to he unfortunately had to retire a little too early if you ask me way back in 2003 but uh, he did not let the grass grow beneath his feet. He took courses at Columbia University and graduated from Yale in 2009 and has taken that education and brought it back to intertwine with his league that he played for for so many great years, yeah. the NHL, and uh, taking care of our planet, which I think everybody should. It's kind of a good idea. Yeah, the the way the NHL is tying this all in, too, is kind of smart. They're basically saying that the NHL requires very specific conditions in order to operate. They need uh, a certain temperature, and they need clean water, and everything has to be just right. So they're saying that the climate of their arenas impacts their game just like the climate of the earth impacts so many people in their environments so what the nhl is trying to do is to kind of improve environmental conditions in at least this small way and it's actually they're making a a reasonable difference they are actually the 20th largest user of green power in the u.s right now and not only that but this year they're going to restore 7.5 million gallons of water to the colorado river which is the estimated water consumption from each arena for one home game both from the ice and the bathrooms and the concessions and all that stuff. So it's actually pretty cool the way they're giving back. Yeah, really, they're at the forefront of that, and hopefully other leagues will follow suit. And this isn't political by any stretch of the imagination. So it's great. You know, this is our home, and um, we're really only hurting ourselves in in terms of pollution and whatnot. So try and take care of the earth because we need it. (laughs) It doesn't need us, but we need it. So Yeah, and as we just mentioned, this week is St. Patrick's Day. What better week to go green? Perfect. Excellent. All right, so I guess uh, we're going to round out this podcast by finishing our conversation with Mike. Yes, sir. All right. Looking forward to hearing that. So, Mike, welcome back. And, James, if you would please continue with the moderation of our discussion, we would appreciate it. So, with the deck hockey point of view, uh, you guys being on sneakers and being in goal and not on skates, do you, when you're playing, do you still step out of the net on long shots and or for breakaways and then still back up deeper in the crease as the shooter gets closer as an ice hockey goalie or roller hockey goalie would do? Sure. I mean, I I certainly do. I I mean, uh, as I've said earlier and and last week, I definitely think a part of my style is about moving up and cutting down angles uh, on the attacker. So, I mean, whether you're doing that in skates, you know, roller skates or ice skates or sneakers, it doesn't really matter. It works both ways or it works every way. So, yeah, I mean, I'll definitely move up if a guy's coming in alone or he's contested and uh, in a shootout or, I mean, I don't think we've ever, well, we've done a couple, but if there's ever a penalty shot, the same thing where I'll move up and then start to retreat
take back because the principle is the same. You know, it's just you want to try and establish a ratio so that the shooter never really has much of an open net to shoot at. I mean, obviously, the net is always going to be there. It's the same size. But if you're up enough, he really can't get a good look of where to locate it without you covering it in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Right. You you basically, you want them to run out of room before they can get around you. So the same for you too, Gary. Is that basically goaltending 101 for you guys? Well, y- yes and no. I say that a lot on this podcast. I'm not very definitive. I'm always very equivocal. It's just a bit of uh, self-analysis there from your American Rhino. But um, yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly with what Mike said about cutting down the angle on the shooter and, and trying to stay with him to avoid giving them a good look at the net. I feel like personally for me on those kind of breakaway slash penalty shot situations, I try and outweigh them when and all possible. You know, let them make the first move before I commit because it, it, it works for me. I don't know. But I feel like generally speaking, my inclination is to play deep in my net. I guess I, I kind of I feel a little naked if I step out too far in front of the net. So I always have to kind of remind myself it's OK to take a couple of steps out. And so when the shooter comes in, I think maybe I am a little quick to back up. I mean, if it's a one on one breakaway, then I will try and stay with the shooter. But if it's more of a kind of the team is breaching the zone, I think I'm, I'm more quick to back up and get in the net just because that's my instinct that I'm always fighting. And, you know, it's, depending on the game, I may play out more than I play in or I may, especially if I'm having a bad game, I will almost always kind of just retreat to playing in net just because that's, that's kind of my comfort zone. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. What's interesting to me is that actually I think I've always been the opposite where I have to remind myself sometimes to move back. Uh, I mean, there have been times where if this was, you know, if we're playing on a conventional hockey surface, you know, a conventional rink with face off dots and all that. I mean, there have been times where I move up and I'm just about in the slot, which I know is 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 way too far forward. But if the play is all the way down the other end, at least it's a way to kind of get a jump start on facing off with that any kind of attack that might come the other way obviously you don't want to be too far forward because then the net is still wide open behind you but one thing i've noticed about playing across from gary is that he definitely plays much further in so as whereas he needs to kind of remind himself to move up sometimes i need to remind myself that you know it's not a bad thing to feel the crossbar behind you right i sometimes am two or three feet up in front of the net moving back and forth making saves but to go from one post to the other two feet in front is a much longer journey than doing it right with the crossbar against your spine right interesting stuff and that kind of leads into uh, the next question with that in mind with the lack of stationary nets how do you guys as being deck hockey goalies take away the angles whereas from side to side uh, in in the case of pressing against the posts without moving the goal or getting your stick stuck in the net itself mike if you take that well i i think almost once a game I will get my stick stuck in the net um, and drag it behind me accidentally <laughs> just because the nub at the back will, will pop up through the, the little shelf and then it won't pop back out coming out the other way. So I'll turn and the whole thing will come behind me and we'll have to stop play and set it back up and whatnot. But it, it's definitely a challenge kind of sealing the post just because you can't obviously, you know, you can't lean against it in any way. Otherwise, it just it just moves behind you. One thing I will do sometimes, and I'm wondering what this must look like from 
another angle because to me i'm guessing it must look very lazy but i actually will kind of drape my arm ever so slightly over the the crossbar on the shelf <laughs> just to kind of seal it so it can't move yeah or at least it's going to move with me but i wonder if does it look like like people are like what's this guy doing like just hanging out with his arm hanging out there while someone's like battling in the corner two feet away from him i don't know if but i've ever noticed you do that i'll do it especially with my glove hand because at that point it's i mean the shot will not be it won't be a shot i can really do anything with the glove with right. because the glove is up against it but I'll, I'll basically brace my arm over it so that i i'm kind of pinning it under my elbow or under my arm against my armpit just so it, it's held and i'll do something kind of similar on the other side with my stick and my arm but i mean in the end of the day it, it they just they move around so much and you know you have to stop the game every once in a while and just be like all right you know the net's up like a, a 30 degree angle we got to fix this <laughs> yeah I, I agree i spend a lot of every game reseeding the net like if once i when i once i've made my saves and the puck is safely in the other end i'll kind of glance over at the posts to make sure they're still on the line or if they're not i'll pull them back up to where they need to be and yeah as far as not moving the net it's not possible but to move it as little as possible you just have to kind of learn to have a light touch when you go up you can't crash up against the post you have to just kind of get up against it without you know really shoving on it and sometimes you get burned just this past week i got the last goal i gave up i was kind of laying on the ground and i was holding my foot against the post while somebody was digging and the net i'm not sure exactly how it evolved because i didn't have a great view of the post from where i was laying i just felt my foot up against it but the net kind of got a little dislodged off of where it's supposed to be and the puck wound up in the net so you know that's just the talkie you just you're not playing in an nhl arena you just have to kind of deal with it Gary, do you ever move the net during the course of play? Yeah, I mean, not I don't move it off intentionally, but yeah, no, I know I'm saying. Yeah, there, fix there'll it. be times where I'm playing, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, it's crooked, but we're playing. Uh, it, I mean, if if the puck is in my zone, I will try not to. But if the puck is at the other end, then yeah, I'll I'll grab it and yeah. try and reposition it quick. As long as I don't think there's a danger of a quick shot that I can get burned on. I think there's some like minor OCD with me, and it's like yeah. oh, the puck, the net must be perfectly straight. No, I believe uh, I I understand entirely. I I'm the same way. Well, that's what the goalie's mentality should be. That's your net. That's your goal, and no one's getting in that. So yeah, yeah. we appreciate that as well. Um, and just yeah. uh, okay. finally, okay, I, no, no, I I didn't want the listeners to think that I never got my stick stuck in the net either. Every couple of games, I do wind up getting my stick stuck in the net once or twice, and sometimes it can be very hard to dislodge. Sometimes if the play is developing around me and I can't get it loose, I just have to let go and leave it there while I follow the play and get it back when I can. And for at least the final question from here, if uh, you guys want to continue, by all means, but from a goalie's point of view... When would be a good time, in your opinions, in a game for your defenseman to go down and block a shot, you know, hit hit the deck, so to speak, and at risk of the forward taking the shot, going for a fake shot, and then just going around the, the defenseman, and it's just you and, and, and the shooter one-on-one. Do you guys feel that it's unnecessary for a defenseman to be diving all over the place like a mental case, or is there a time and a purpose for it? I would say there's definitely a time and a place for all things, as the birds once told us. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> but um, I, I mean, sometimes those those desperation 
heaps by a defenseman are the most welcomed and most i mean you're you're just like eternally thankful for that little moment because you know you're out of position or whatever it may be and they come up and to you know use a a, a hockey term that gets thrown a lot during broadcast they you know they really save your bacon yeah um but i i will say there are times where you or at least for me where uh, uh, someone will move in to block a shot and you know if, if you're gonna block a shot I, my, my my one suggestion to defensemen or or forwards that are doing this if you're gonna block a shot make sure you block the shot you know just get your your chest in front of it or your arm or your hand but your foot it doesn't matter i mean chest is optimal because you know your torso is a big thing but make sure you actually have gotten that shot squared up to you like a goaltender is supposed to face you're supposed the goaltender is supposed to square his shoulders or her shoulders with the shot at any time so i would just say to a defenseman try and do the same thing just for two seconds pretend you're a goalie and square your shoulders up with the shot so that's sort of like a triangle because the worst thing is when you have a guy who heaves in front of a shot to try and and block it in some way and he either doesn't block it at all and he just winds up screening you which is worst case scenario Uh, or he i don't know if that's worst case scenario i think the the second thing you're going to say is 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 for me the worst case scenario but please continue okay or or he gets a piece of it so now the angle has been completely and the trajectory has just been completely changed so you know when you when a goaltender sets from when a shot is released to when it gets to him you're kind of anticipating it's gonna go here wherever here is so if you have a guy who even just tries to get a stick on it if he doesn't get it just right now it just ping pongs away to something else and um the angle's completely changed and it could go straight into your net or it could go to a guy who is completely open and completely uncovered and he has a wide open net to shoot at and you have a, a split second to now react and try and lunge across to save it. So I, I would say to a, you know anyone who wants to block a shot, make sure you block the shot, first of all. Uh, after that, I mean, if you can do it, it's great. Though I will say, at least for myself, and I, I'm guessing, Gary, you're probably pretty similar, if I have a team or a a guy in particular that just blocks every shot, it actually starts to wear on me because I like that rhythm and that like every minute I'm getting a shot or two coming in. If three or four or longer, if seven minutes go by and I haven't faced really a shot and I haven't really had to make a save, when I finally start having to do it, now it's like, well, you know, you you get cold and you kind of tense up a little bit. Yeah, definitely. You know, there's definitely a, a kind of balance they you hope that everyone achieves where they block the shots that are blockable and, and can lead to a scoring play the other way. But if it's just a guy coming in and he just kind of takes a weak shot from the point, you know, like, don't block that. Let me just glove that down or block it with my pads and kind of get a feel going. Because if anything, just through the course of the game, that will help you and me. It'll help the whole team because the last thing you want is for your goaltender to get cold and then a guy comes in and his glove's not right or whatever it may be, and that could be the difference between winning and losing. Right. You're a lot more likely to give up a real soft goal if you haven't faced a shot in a while and you're not maybe as focused as you need to be because just it's tough to stay focused in, in that mental state when you're not doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing. And yeah, I pretty much agree with just about everything Mike said there. Uh, I would say if 
you have a situation where the goalie has made a save and the play is kind of devolved into a puck ricocheting around. The goalie hasn't had a chance to reset themselves and, and get set up for that shot. Yes, as a defenseman, as a forward, get between that puck and that goal until the goalie can get back to where he needs to be or she needs to be. But if it's a, a long shot from the point, just make sure the goalie can see it and let it go. Because unless it's a like a really quick snapshot that catches the goalie unawares, that's 98% of the time the goalie is going to be able to stop it with no problem. So, yeah, that that's my take on all that. And as far as the deflections go, I agree 110%. Um, and the reason why I alluded to the fact that that's, I think, the worst case scenario, at least for me, is because if you're screened, you still have an idea of where the puck was and you have a chance to pick it up after it passes the person who's screening you and make a last second reaction. If it's deflected, you're moving in one direction because that's the direction you expect the puck to be going in. That's the direction the puck was going in. And suddenly it's going in the other direction and your momentum is carrying you now away from it instead of towards it. So it's even more difficult to get to where the puck actually winds up. I remember one game when uh, I, I mean, I've had pucks deflected away from me that went in plenty of times but one game particularly stands out somebody was playing defense in front of me and for family reasons i'm going to refrain from naming that person all i will say is it's somebody who hardly ever played with us and leave it at that but there was one person who uh, was standing in front of me and the shot came and it was a pretty easy shot and i had it lined up straight in he deflected it other end of the net went in and as bad as that is, he turns around, sees the puck in the net, and says, What happened? You didn't see it? And I wanted to... Oh. Oh. So, uh, yeah, as a goalie, those are really frustrating. Because you're like, I had it. Why are you screwing me? But, you know, obviously it's part of the game. And, and the defenseman didn't mean to deflect it into the net. It's just one of those things that happens. So, uh, yeah, just, uh, yeah. Oh, excuse me. Just, uh, just as a little side note there for other defensemen. First of all, your priority is to do everything you can to make your goalie's life as easy as possible. And two, if you screw up, you take responsibility for it. Do not point the finger at anybody else but yourself. So little tidbit there for you. I would say barring very few exceptions, I think most skaters you know i use that with air quotations because of uh you know street and deck hockey but non-goalies again barring few exceptions i don't think they quite get a grasp of the mental and emotional and psychological hoops of fire that we have to jump through through the course of a game because i mean at least i can say for myself that when we win or when i win it's it's a much better feeling than scoring which I do at a very, very rare clip. Right. But, um, you know, scoring, it's like, a, yay, woo, I did it. And then it just kind of fades away because, you know, you have to score again or whatever. But with goaltending, it, it's, it's, it's a very you-against-the-world mentality. And, mm-hmm. you know, at least for me, it's like when you, when you win, you're like, yes, that whole group of guys, I stopped them. Right. Now, I did that. A lot of the, I did that. Now, a lot of times you actually didn't do that. Right, you of course. You did 
sixty percent, and your defense did the other forty percent. Yeah, of course. It's a uh, if you're facing a shooting gallery, then you know the best goalie's eventually going to give out. You you need right. to. It's a team sport, and you need to rely on your teammates to stop the puck, whether right. you want to admit it or not. Right. You know, uh, I, I think every goaltender has this kind of at least. Like I'm sure, Gary, you must have this too. With this sort of perverse fantasy where you're heavily outplayed and your team's <laughs> just a bunch of children up against a bunch of men, and uh-huh. there's no hope of winning, but you're keeping them in it. Yeah, maybe you have like a one nothing lead, and you're just bombarded. But like I got everything. Like that's like a, a little sick fantasy we have. Yeah. But yeah. um, but I, I was saying like I don't think skaters quite get like how dark a place you can go after a bad goal or a bad game because at least for my part it feels like as much when you do well you think i did this when you do bad it's like i ruined everything right you are the last line of defense it is your job to keep that puck out of the net and i go back and forth with james on this all the time you know it doesn't matter how badly your defense may or may not have let you down or you know how fluky the deflection was you still think it's my fault i should have stopped that because that's my job exactly exactly so uh one thing i will say is this is from personal experience when i played defense or as a some weird iteration of a forward it's it's very carefree and oh we won oh well oh we lost uh, oh well it doesn't really matter you're just kind of having fun but right you know as a goaltender when you win it's like yes so when you lose it's it's in this really dark place and you get angry so i i would suggest if if your team loses and your goaltender's in a very bad mood first give him or her some space mm-hmm. and then apologize you might not be wrong the goaltender might have the worst day ever or he might be the worst goaltender ever and just let up all these awful shots and whatnot but i i think it would help or it does help where someone goes up and just says sorry we let you down but you know keep your head up because it all balances out in the end and you'll get another shot wise word all right gentlemen uh, appreciate that and uh, that concludes this segment of between the pipes well done boys appreciate it mike oh, thank, thank you. you thank you so much for being on the podcast and contributing oh, no. it was a great conversation and and we have you to thank for that thanks man you're very welcome thank you thanks mike see you out there Last minute remaining in the podcast. All right. This was a great show, James. Um, lots of silliness, lots of important stuff, lots of good conversation. Uh, thank you for that. Thank you. I hope everybody enjoyed it as much as we did. Yes. And thank you, listener, for listening, which sounds redundant, but there you have it. Please, I would like to remind you, if you'd like to contact us, please email us at hitthedeck at gmail.com. Contact us on Twitter at hitthedeckpod. On Facebook, our page is at hit the deck on instagram at hit the deck if you want to track james or i down in the street i mean you know good luck with that thank you to pops for being the voice of the podcast thanks to the liq for helping us with additional sound anthony sajazi for music james anything i've missed anything you'd like to say i'm done i tap out all right Fair enough. Okay, so uh, last but not least, as always, we would like to offer you this friendly reminder. Thank you for listening. It's Deck Hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. Was that too obscure a reference?